I'm going to invite you to take a seat and to grab your Bible or your Bible app and turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 is our text today. Uh, we've been in a study of Romans for a while. We're coming close to finishing it up here in the next few weeks. But Romans 12 uh, verse 3 is where we're going to start today. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. Grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you. Turn to page 1,126. That's page 1,126, and you will find Romans chapter 12. And as always, if you're here and you don't have a Bible and you want one, then please take one of those home with you. It is our gift to you. We want you to have the Word of God, read the Word of God, because we know if you do that, God will change your life. Uh, have you ever been in one of those situations where you knew that you absolutely couldn't lose <laughs> and then you did? I mean, you know, where you had it all planned out and you could see victory and then you were able to, at the last moment, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. A anybody uh, ever been there? Okay, I see those hands. I appreciate that. I relate to those because that was my experience this summer. Uh, you know, uh, there were, uh, we were with, with some friends in Phoenix, and we we're looking for something to do. And we said, hey, let's go to one of these escape rooms. You guys uh, done escape rooms? Any, okay, some of you have. Well, an escape room is like this giant game. They put you in a room, they lock the door, and you've got an hour to figure out the clues these ridiculously difficult clues to get out of the room. And, uh, and if you don't get out, you die. I mean, that's kind of how it works. You know, it's like you failed, you dead. So, you know, we're in this room. And by the way, the four adults in this room have 26 years of college and graduate school experience. Okay, so our expectation was this, uh, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We couldn't do it. Uh, I mean, we spent one of the most frustrating hours of our life beating our head against the wall. Uh, you know, just, it was, it was, uh, it was pathetic, okay? We're, we're watching the clock run down because they have this giant clock telling you how quickly you're sucking. And, uh, and we just, we couldn't do it. And we're trying to figure this out and that out and everything. And so we failed. We did not even come close to getting out. And the person came in, you know, and they're trying to, like, hey, you did really good. Your first time ever. Oh, okay, all this kind of stuff. And uh, no, we, we just, it was utter failure is what it was. And so we're doing the walk of shame out of there, you know. Like, oh, this is bad. We failed. How are we going to lift up our ego? At least we have jobs and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and we run into this family coming in. And they got a bunch of kids and stuff. And this, you know, seemingly 10-year-old brat, uh, little boy. <laughs> Kind of looks at us and goes, oh, did you guys do an escape room? We're in an escape. Yeah, we did. Uh, which one did you do? Yeah, we told him. He goes, oh, that's the easy one. <laughs> that's right. Humiliations galore. So I was reading the text for today, and that experience just jumped into my mind, and I think you'll see why. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3, the Apostle Paul, writing to people like us, part of the church in Rome, says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, 
the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So the Apostle Paul begins with a challenge, and the challenge is be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Did you catch that? Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Uh, God wants us to be honest with ourselves. And, and speaking of honesty uh, and failure and all that kind of stuff, I failed again last week. You know, last week, if you were here, I mentioned the 50-day Bible reading challenge. You, got, you guys liking that so far? To dive into it, Acts 2 today. I mean, hopefully you came here going, hey, I hope the, the God who did the act of Pentecost will show up here and change me in the same way. I, and I hope you're excited about that. But, you know, I was excited. 50-day challenge until someone pointed out to me that on that card I gave you with their Bible reading scheduled out, it's 49 days. <laughs> yeah, 50-day challenge for 49. So the last day is free, Okay. Last day, you get to pick your favorite one, read it again, or actually someone uh, asked me if they could put it in the paper from another church. They said, can we put it in, this, in the paper? They put it in the paper today. I gave them a 50th uh, chapter, so you can look in there and see what it was. But, I mean, just talk about failure. It's like, really, this is a great idea, uh, and somehow you'd think I'd get that right. You see, we got to be honest with ourselves. Now, you think it would be easy because we know ourselves so well, right? We know our strengths, our weaknesses, our flaws, our failures. Uh, but we lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. I, I mean, we excuse ourselves. I mean, we've got blind spots. Every one of us does. And, and, and a lot of times we're not aware of what it's really like to be on the other side of us. In fact, I'd challenge you to maybe have that conversation with your loved ones and See if they get nervous when you ask. Might be an indication there's a blind spot. That, that's something you're not aware of what it's like to be on the other side of you. Uh, so we need to be honest with ourselves because the truth is we are neither as good or as bad as we think we are. Now some of us think we're pretty good. Some of us think we're pretty down, darn special. We're talented. We're smart. I mean, we believe that we're right about everything. Just ask us. Right? I mean, we win every single argument because we're not going to give up until the other person gives in or runs away. We're not going to let go of anything because we know we're the smartest person in the room. So you ought to listen to us. But we're not. We're not. Heck, there's always someone more talented, someone smarter, someone better. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, we're not quite as good as we think we are. By the way, while we're on the subject of thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, do you know that Scripture repeatedly says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble? We really need to let that sink in, especially if you think a little highly of yourself. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. God opposes the proud. Everybody else just avoids you. Uh, let's just be honest, there's a reason the words insufferable, arrogant, and jerk go together. Uh, some of us need to think less of ourselves. We really do. Otherwise, you might fail in an escape room and God will humble you in that moment. 
See, humiliation is when God decides to humble you rather than you humble, humble yourself. Uh, and some of us need to think more of ourselves. Some of us need to look in the mirror and realize that we're not worthless, we're not insignificant, we're not unimportant, we're not untalented, we're not trash. That God wants you to know that you're not a waste of time, effort, or space. You need to understand that you are loved by God and created by God and valued by God and gifted by God in amazing ways. You're not as good or as bad as you think you are. And all of us need to see ourselves honestly. We need to see ourselves biblically. By the way, that's why we want you to read this book. That's why we gave the 50-day the Bible reading challenge with 49 uh, verses, chapters in it. Uh, that's, I'm going to never live that one down. I'm not going to let that one go. Uh, so, uh, but the reason is because when we open God's Word and we look at it, we see ourselves. If we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, He will take it and He will convict us. He will teach us. He will show us what our souls look like. And he will change us if we invite him to do that. But we've got to be honest with ourselves about who we are before God. We've got to see ourselves biblically, and we've got to see ourselves from God's perspective. And we want you to do that because we are connected. We're connected. Look at verses 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we... Though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That is an incredible statement of connection. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world, and you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, you believe he was raised from the dead, and you have made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life, guess what? We're connected. You're connected to the entire family of God universally. I mean, we're talking about everyone who's a follower of Jesus in the entire world. You're part of the universal body of Christ. Which is why if you travel to the other side of the world and visit a church in another culture, another language, you still feel a connection. You're worshiping God with them. The Holy Spirit that's in you is in them and connects us together. It's a beautiful thing. But we're also a part of the body of Christ locally. The body of Christ called Calvary. And, and you're a part of it. So we're connected and we're in this together. And you got to get comfortable with this idea that we are, are one body. And we're going to be one body for eternity. Which means if there's somebody in here you don't like, you, you need to go ahead and reconcile and forgive. Because otherwise God's going to make you be roommates for a thousand years or something. So uh, just saying it could happen. But we're connected. So that means two things. Because we're connected, it means you need the body. You need the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, then you need the church. And I hear people all the time say, hey, I love Jesus. I just don't want to go to church. I love Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need the church to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and by the way, you can have a personal relationship with the living God. Yes, that is a beautiful thing. It's something that we ought to do, we ought to want to do, we ought to pursue. But I'm also going to tell you this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need the church. Uh, here's why. Does your hand need your body to thrive? Yeah. Does your eye need your body to see? Do, do, you, do your legs need your body to move? 
I mean, your body's not really good without legs, but um, your legs are absolutely nothing without your body. Right? If, if you take your hand off, your legs off, your eye out, and, and put them separate away from the body, what happens to them? They die. They decay. Now, if, if it's separated for a little while, they can reattach it and it can have life again. But truthfully, apart from the body, there's going to be death. See, no individual part of the body can survive or thrive unless attached to the whole. We know that. So you need the body. In order to thrive spiritually, in order to grow healthy, in order to make a difference for the kingdom, you need the body. And the body needs you. The body of Christ needs you. See, here's the reality. I want all the members of my body, and so do you. And I know right now, let me go ahead and answer the question you're thinking. Fat is not a member of your body. Okay, it's a descriptive term we use for that extra fluff stuff. So some of you are like, well, I like to donate something from here. No, we all want the members of our body. I want my arms and my legs and my hands and my feet. I want my eyes and ears and nose and mouth. I want my internal organs to work and to stay where they are. In fact, if we lose an arm or a leg, if we lose our sight or our hearing, if, if our kidneys don't work any longer or our bladder doesn't work, then we consider that a handicap or a disability. And, and we, it, it makes life more difficult. It makes life challenging. There are things we cannot do anymore because of that disability. And, and so the body of Christ locally needs you to be healthy and to thrive. Every single one of you is significant to the health and capabilities of Calvary. So are you connected? Because you matter. Are you connected more than just uh, an occasional weekend service? Do people know you? Know your story? Know your life? Know your struggles? Do you know them? Are you doing life together in some way? Or are you just uh, drifting in, drifting out? Because you matter. No matter how you think or feel about yourself, you are significant to the body of Christ. Uh, and, and let me illustrate this with a joke that I heard a long time ago, and, and I love and I want to share with you, but I have to edit it. For full disclosure. So one day, the different parts of the body were having an argument to see who should be in charge. The brain said, hey, it's obvious I do all the thinking, so I'm the most important. I should be in charge. The eyes said, hey, hey, wait a minute. We see everything, and we let the rest of you know where we're going, so I'm the most important. I should be in charge. Hey, the hands said, wait, 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 wait. Without us, you wouldn't be able to pick anything up or move anything or eat, so I'm the most important. I should be in charge. The stomach said, but I, I turn the food we eat into energy for the rest of you, so without me, you'd starve to death. I'm the most important. I should be in charge. The legs argued, hey, without us, you wouldn't be able to go anywhere, get anywhere, so we're the most important. We should be in charge. And then the rectum said, I want to be in charge. And the rest of the parts of the body did just what you did. They laughed. They laughed. You, you don't do anything. In fact, you stink. You're just kind of hiding in darkness all the time. You can't be in charge. So the rectum shut up. Didn't say a word, didn't do anything <laughs> at all. So a little over a week goes by. <laughs> Legs were all wobbly. 
stomach was so queasy that he couldn't eat. The hands were shaky. The eyes were watery. The brain was so cloudy it couldn't think. So they all agreed that they couldn't take any more of this, and they put the rectum in charge. So the moral of the story is you don't have to be the most important, the most beautiful, or the smartest to be in charge. Any anus can do it. So, truthfully, even the body of Christ needs a rectum. Some of you are like, I found my spiritual calling. Just remember, each body only has one. So get in line. Okay? You see, we're connected. We need the body. The body needs us. And we were created to serve. Created to serve. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving... The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, we're, we're gifted by God. We're gifted differently. And, and, and God is the one who gave us the gifts. We don't get to decide what our gifts are. We don't get to pick out of a catalog. We don't get to order them from Amazon. We don't choose our gifts. God does. And they are all important. They're all significant. He doesn't give them, you know, stars like this is a five-star gift and that's a one-star gift. He just says, look, I've gifted all of you and I want all of you to use your gifts to make a difference in my kingdom. So God's gifted us to serve him. You know, some have the gift of prophecy. By the way, prophecy is not fortune-telling. It's not predicting the future and and all that kind of stuff because otherwise people would be like winning the lottery because they got the gift of prophecy. Um, That's not how it works. Prophecy is telling people where their life is taking them. It's telling the world, the culture, where it's going. It's seeing this this direction of your life and where it's going to end up according to the word of God. And and so uh, that's how prophecy works. So, you know, he's saying, hey, teach people where their life is going based on my word, my wisdom. Service. Hey, serving people, helping people accomplish things is great. Some of you are gifted at that. Uh, I've just, you know, that person that's always helpful, that always makes things better, that fixes stuff and does things. That's an incredible gift from God. Teaching. You know, whether it's children in our early childhood or the older kids or the youth or life groups or classes. We've got all kinds of teaching ministries here at Calvary. We'd love for those who are gifted in teaching to use their gifts for the kingdom of God. Exhortation. We don't use that word a whole lot. You know what it means? It means encouraging. Encouraging other people. So I was thinking about this. How many current or former cheerleaders do we have in here? Okay, I see those hands. I'm really disappointed because not one of you went, it's me! (laughs) Ready? Okay! You know, uh, you didn't do that stuff. They wouldn't let me be a cheerleader. Uh, And and there's good reason for that. Uh, But uh, but see, here's the thing. You know, everybody needs cheerleaders. You know, what do cheerleaders do? They encourage the team, you know, uh, to score points, do offense, to win the game, to try harder, all that kind of stuff. And, And reality in life is we all want cheerleaders around us. We love to collect those people who are going to encourage us and tell us we can do it, tell us we can succeed, tell us to keep going, tell us to not give up. 
That's significant to the mission of Christ. The, the gift of generosity. I heard generosity described this way. It's the ability to make money in order to fund ministry. It's the ability to make money so that you can fund the mission of God. Isn't that cool? There's, there's some of you that everything you touch turns to gold. And God gave you that gift, not just so that you could enjoy it or your family can enjoy it, but so that you can make the kingdom of God uh, function because you're supplying the resources that are needed. All of us are called to give. All of us are called to serve. All of us are called to encourage. But some of us are gifted that way more than others. Gift of leadership. It says lead with zeal. Lead with passion. Nobody wants to follow Eeyore. Okay? Some of you are leaders, and you know it, and you've led in business, and you've led in the, the private sector, and, and you're sitting back and you're saying, yeah, they, they don't need me to lead. Yes, we do. We're looking for leaders all the time to be, who can rally people and get them excited about the kingdom of God and what God is doing. The gift of mercy. Praise God that some of you are gifted with hearts that just uh, empathize with the struggles of others. And you're, you're so awesome at the, at the prayer ministry and at the counseling ministry, visiting the hospitals and the nursing homes and coming alongside the, the homeless and the helpless and the widows. That's a beautiful thing. Of course, he says do it cheerfully. Because we know that if you're with the hurting all the time, that sometimes your own heart can, can be damaged as well. See, I don't know how God gifted you. I know that God has gifted you. I know that God has gifted you, and he wants you to use those gifts in service of his kingdom. I know that because Paul says that. I, I, I missed this so many times. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. See, God created us, God loves us, God redeemed us, and God gifted us because he wants us serving. That's where we find joy and purpose. That's how the body of Christ becomes effective. It's one of the reasons that Calvary is thriving as a church because so many of you already get this and you're already involved in serving. But what if all of us used our gifts to build the kingdom of Christ? Can you imagine the impact? Can you imagine what that would look like? See, I grew up in churches that talked about gifting and studied gifting and then didn't do much serving. In fact, people sometimes used this whole subject of gifting as an excuse not to serve. You know, they'd be like, well, you know, I know you need help over there, but that's not my gift. It's not a godly answer either. Uh, or some people say, well, I can't serve because I don't know what my gifting is. I'm praying about it and studying, trying to find. No, that's not how it works. You want to find out what your gifting is? Serve. Serve. All of us are called to be servants. That, that, that's how the New Testament identifies us as servants of the living God. All of us are called to serve. If you want to find out your gift, then serve. Stop making excuses and serve, and you'll experience the, the power and pleasure of the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll discover purpose and joy. You'll actually figure out what your gifting is and you won't really care because you're just happy being obedient to Jesus. That's reality. And here at Calvary, our commitment is to help you be obedient to Jesus by giving you opportunities to use your gifts in service. You realize that's what my job is, right? To equip the saints, that's you guys, for works of service. So my job is to help you obey Jesus by being servants. 
And so we've got opportunities to serve. We've got opportunities on campus to serve. Every weekend, stuff happens so that we can do this. Stuff like the tech team is running all the, the stuff so that, that it looks good and sounds good. And in, some of you are techies, and we could use you to help serve. And, you know, the worship team is always looking for people to help uh, fill out the worship team. Yeah, people that play, people that sing. And, and yeah, you got to audition because uh, American Idol has taught us that not everybody is aware of their abilities. <laughs> right? And some of you are convinced, God's called me, and it's like, no, he hasn't. Uh, <laughs> But some of you are sitting there and you know that you can play and you know that you can sing and you're still sitting out there and we want you up here. And, and you know, we, you can serve on our first impressions team, the, the greeters, if you know how to smile. And, uh, and we've got kids ministry and student ministry and the early childhood wing where if you just want to love babies and, and toddlers and teach them about the love of Christ, we've got places for you to serve. And, and I know some of you are going, yeah, but you've got lots of people already doing that. You don't need me. Yeah, we do, because we're about to open up two new campuses. So we're going to triple our needs. Yeah, you guys, you guys are applauding. I hope that's like your way of volunteering. Because uh, in January, we're opening up a campus in Parker. We've got people driving up from Parker that have said, hey, come down and have a campus in Parker. It's obviously going to be a video venue, but, but we're making plans to do that. We're going to need about 30 or 40 people to go down there and serve just to help launch it. People who can be the greeters and the, the nursery workers and the childcare and, and, and the worship team and the tech team. And so if, that's, if God's talking to you, then let us know. And then we're gonna be opening up our recently remodeled McCulloch campus for worship again starting in January. And, uh, and some of you are going, why would you do that? And, and I would just invite you to look around because this room is functionally full and it's September. And last year, uh, from January through Easter, we ran 90% capacity in this room. And so we're going to open up a service over at McCulloch that uh, looks a lot like this, but uh, is a little bit quieter and a little bit less, uh, you know, uh, wild with the lights. So if you're one of those that picks up earplugs on the way in, that's the service for you. If, uh, if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I love it, but it's a little bit loud, it's for you. And, and so, uh, honestly, here, I'll just go ahead and say it. We need about 200 of you to say, hey, you know, we're going to move over here, and we're going to serve over here, and we're going to make that our campus. And, and it's going to be video uh, most of the time, but uh, you realize how close we are, and so it'll be live at least once a month, and we just won't tell you when. So, uh, be, because we are committed to leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and this room is filling up at 9.30. We're going to have a 9.30, probably 11 o'clock service over at McCulloch because we want to put people in the seats. We want to give you a place where you can invite your friends and they can find somewhere to sit. And, and, and so we're going to give this a shot. And I hope that some of you will pray about that move and saying, hey, I want to be a part of something new and I want to be a part of reaching people. I want to serve just by going. And some of you will serve by serving over there as well. You see, there's, there's opportunities to serve on campus. There's opportunities to serve off campus. Uh, we already mentioned serve our schools. Coming up October the 6th, uh, our goal is to be on every single school campus and complete all the projects they've asked us to complete. So these are projects that are cleaning projects, painting projects, fixing it up projects, landscaping projects. And, and let's be honest, most of us in here are capable of helping. 
And so I'm just going to challenge you when you leave today to walk out these doors and stop by the table and say, hey, put me down. I want to serve at this school or this school. Uh, you know, go and talk to your family. And as a family, go serve. Go talk to your life group. Life groups, you ought to volunteer to serve. And, and, and I pray that every single life group at Calvary will adopt a school and say, we're going to go and do a project or two or ten. I don't care. Get your community groups involved. If you're part of a car club or a civic club, then go to them and say, hey, let's go adopt a school. Let's make our community better. And, and in doing this, we're going to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. But, but see, it's about us deciding we're going to serve God. We're going to use the gifts that he gave us because we were created to serve. There's other ways you can serve. You know, every time you invite a friend to come to church with you, you're serving God. Every time you go home and love your family with the love of Christ, you are serving God. Every time you represent Jesus at work or in the community, you are serving God. We were created to serve. What are we going to do with that truth? You're connected to the body. What are you going to do with that truth? You've been invited to be honest about who you are. What are you going to do with that truth? See, that's the place this message leaves us today. We know it. What are we going to do with it? Uh, it's so easy to leave here with good intentions. It's so easy to go, yeah, I'm going to volunteer later. Can I just challenge you as we close? If God is nudging you, if God is kind of prompting you, uh, as I talked about opportunities, if one of them grabbed your heart, would you do something about it today? If you want to do serve our schools and you don't want your calendar to get overbooked first, walk out to the table and get the information and commit and put it in your calendar as a priority. If, if you want to serve in one of the capacities on campus or in one of the new campuses, before you leave, find one of the ministry leaders and say, put my name down. I want to work with the early childhood. I want to be a greeter. I want to talk to Jesse about auditioning for the worship arts. Stop by and harass the people in the tech booth. They would love to talk to you. You see, if God's nudging you, the question is, are we going to be obedient? Because you're not as good or as bad as you think you are. And we're all in this together. And our God has created us to be amazing servants. Let's pray.